This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. Uh, I know that I keep promising we will go back to our normal two episodes a week, but hey, guess what? Something that's not happened since 1999 is happening, and we want to be able to witness it, so uh, forgive us, but we are going to shorten our recording times and only do one mega episode again, because we got to watch the uh, the Braves in the World Series, and I'm leaving to go to Jacksonville for the Georgia-Florida game. So we're just running out of time here, people, but we promise to not short you on any of our breakdowns. We will always go through the 10 games that we picked and pick 10 new games for you. Before we get into our week eight recap, week nine preview, I need to introduce my co-host. I'm Madison and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm excited um, to address the, you know, lack of uh, two two podcasts a week. Um, you know, I've enjoyed actually these uh, slightly longer but nice little kind of brief recaps of uh, the previous 10 games that we picked the week before um, in our preview I feel like it's pretty good and pretty succinct and you can kind of just hit on some of the key things instead of, you know, really trying to uh, fill some spots uh, in some certain games that maybe you didn't quite watch. So you got to read up on last second. But um, no, I'm excited to get back to two. Um, Obviously, go check out Over Underachievers. Um, We've got a quick recap as well. Um, But yeah, just getting getting excited. We finally, after last week, uh, you know, pretty... I shouldn't say week because college football always seems to deliver week in and week out. Uh, however, the marquee matchups weren't there, and and we've boy we've got some of them this week. So uh, let's get into it. Excited to uh, excited to uh, preview this week. Obviously, we got to go back for last week, but excited to get into some of the marquee rivalry matchups that we're going to see this weekend. Yeah, a little bit of a sleepier slate last week as we predicted. Uh, Pierce with the plug there. We did put out another episode with the over-under achievers. You can go over there. I'll link it in the show notes as I did last week as well. Uh, and you can kind of check out us uh, You know, talking about some of these other big storylines like the Oklahoma almost getting upset by Kansas um, and things of that nature. So um, you know, we cover on Cincinnati going into a dogfight with Navy. We're not going to get into that in this episode, but you can check out the episode in the show notes. If you want to hear us expound a little bit more about what we thought was good, bad, and ugly with the Week 8 slate, let's go into our Week 8 preview, Pierce. The first game, as always, stop me when you want to talk about something. Uh, The first game, Northwestern 7, Michigan 33. Michigan continues to impress. Uh, In years past, this might be a game that they might lose or at least be close, but they're taking care of business. We shall see this week they have Michigan State. That's going to be one of the major, major uh, matchups this week. So we'll see. That's a first big test for both of those teams. And obviously, Michigan still has Ohio State down the pike as well. But for right now, they're number six in the nation and sitting it undefeated, taking down the Northwestern Wildcats at home 33-7. to Wisconsin back on the wagon. They win 30-13, to taking down a Purdue team that obviously upset Iowa the week before. Not that Purdue is anything to write home about necessarily, but they were ranked, and Wisconsin slowly but surely is putting themselves back in the discourse when it comes to college football, and who knows? They could be who Ohio State or Michigan faces out of the West. It's just going to be interesting to see down the pike. They do have a few losses to overcome, but 
there's no reason why, you know, with the chaotic year we're having, they could not potentially see themselves back in it. Oklahoma State gets their first loss of the season in Ames 24-21. to The Cyclones beating the Cowboys. Uh, Oregon stays uh, on the right side of history. They are going to continue to uh, to be in the top 10, but uh, they get into a close one with UCLA. Did you watch well, any of that one? Did you have I didn't the pleasure watch to watch of, any of that? No. You know what? This weekend was not um, – I uh, found myself not in great situations to watch football games. I, I uh, It was one of my first weekends here in Atlanta in a while. Um, I you know, usually go to Georgia games. And, uh, you know, when, when mimosas come a call in, you, you answer that call. So I didn't watch – I caught a lot of highlights, but I didn't watch a lot of games real time. Uh, why you got something to say about this one? I well, know DTR it was, got hurt or had a not good game. Well, yeah, it was actually very interesting. It was, you know, you, you, you will see this from time to time, but yeah, DTR did get hurt, um, on, the, uh, you know, ironically or strangely enough, the last drive that you said LA was trying to go down to win the game, a field goal would have tied it. And he goes down on one of the first few possession plays of that game, got hit by, uh, I believe Kayvon Thibodeau was the one that pressured him on the play. Bring in another backup quarterback who I believe was a transfer from somewhere. Um, I think maybe Washington, and and they were pretty high on him. He's still young. He's still, I think, a, a redshirt freshman. Um, and he came in and converted on like his first three or four passes, or or was like three or four or five or something like that, and throwing really good balls. And Kirk was going, "Boy, you can see his awesome arm. Look at these passes he's making. Clutch plays on third and you know third and eight. And then what do you know? He he stares down a receiver on an out route and the cornerback jumps it to end the game as uh, you would expect with a young, uh, young inexperienced quarterback, but it was a fun game. It was, it was, you know, UCLA and Oregon. I feel like these two teams were pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, really what stood out to me was Kayvon Thibodeau just absolutely was a monster out there. He was exhausted. He was playing hurt. You could see it after almost every play. He was really slow getting up, you know, almost on having to go down to knees every now and then, you know, every few plays just to, just trying to gather himself. Uh, it, it was pretty impressive to see he had two sacks on the day. Oregon it squeaks one out. It wasn't pretty. I think that having Joe Moorhead back, I believe he was in the booth, but he he was back officially for the first time this week or this past week. I think that gave him a big boost. I really do. You could see their offense was flowing a little bit better um, than in the previous weeks. So good to have him back from that medical scare. Um, you know, Anthony Brown kind of looked just more, more. It just looked normal. It didn't look like you know he was a fish out of a out of water. Um, so good for Oregon to go down and win a tough game. Um, UCLA had the chance there, but uh, not to be. But it was a fun one to watch uh, out there in in Los Angeles. Hey, you know I love Pac-12 football, so I believe you on that one. Like I said, I didn't watch the whole thing. I will say I didn't love as someone who usually thinks Georgia, uh, Georgia someone who usually thinks Oregon's. Uniforms are straight fire. I didn't love the eggshell look for them, but uh, I don't know if people are coming for the fashion takes from me. So I just thought that was paint splatter. No, it was an eggshell. I didn't get that at all. Yeah, exactly. Like a duck egg, you know, get it. Ha, quack, quack. Um, Elsewhere in the SEC, the the 12th ranked Ole Miss Rebels put out all of the stops for Arch Manning. They get the job done 31 to 17. Uh, I have heard other people talking about, and I agree with you probably uh, think that Lane would have wanted like to put up a little bit more points uh, so that he could continue to woo Arch Manning, especially since he's flank playing from behind, uh, you know, not one of the top schools that Arch is considering right now, but Ole Miss gets it done. Nonetheless, 31 to 17. Well, and I let me flip the, that on you. Go ahead. Sorry. What was that? I was going to say, let me flip that on you. Just okay. hypothetically speaking. 
Maybe he didn't. He he intentionally took his foot off the pedal because maybe he's going to want Arch in Baton Rouge when he goes there next year. I'm. Okay. I don't know. Just saying, huh? That's you the know, first time gotta, I'm hearing this conspiracy gotta theory. Got to think on the flip side. Who knows? Okay, I have not heard this take. That is an interesting, interesting take. Would do you think he's really a power player for the LSU job? Um. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to want to go to him. He. I don't think he'll be. He'll be a first choice for them. I think it's James Franklin. I think it is. Well, yeah. I think I broke that news here. That's what was. Well, or not broke the news, but that was my kind of take last week. Um, was James Franklin? But you know, it does kind of make sense. I know he's only been at Ole Miss for two years, but you've seen high-profile coaches leave. You know, in after short tenures there, and in the dead of night after they say they're not leaving. Um. So. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Just, well, it's uh, certainly a better job than Ole Miss, if only because you get a little bit more of that recruiting uh, prowess uh, there at LSU. Um, but like I said, they win the game 31-17. to 17. Uh, Clemson, down goes the Tigers again, 27-17 to 17 at Pitt against the Panthers. Kenny Pickett starting to put up a bit of a Heisman resume. Um, and DJ Uyunglele gets benched. Uh, we covered this in the over underachievers, good, bad, and ugly segment. But uh, the uh, both of the Heisman frontrunners now have been benched: Spencer Rattler and DJ Uwe Ungalale. So, um, if you thought Uwe Ungalale was hard to pronounce, Pierce, uh, Google the backup quarterback for Clemson and see if you can uh, see if you can uh, pronounce that one. I've I've heard it. I've heard it okay. pronounced. I don't know if it was pronounced correctly. I'm not looking at it right now, but I think it's like Pamantmachan or Pamantachan or something like it's, weird like that. It's a lot of letters and a lot of more vowels in consecutive orders. So not not my for uh, my uh, forte, if you will. All right, the uh, Louisville Cardinals, Louisville twenty eight, Boston College fourteen. Good for the Cardinals. Two teams that really don't have a lot to write home about. Boston College has yet to get a conference win. Uh, the third uh, Saturday in October. Tennessee has not won this game in a minute. They would not get it done here in uh, Tuscaloosa, although they did put up 14 points in the first quarter and give Alabama a little bit of a scare. 52 to 24 is your final there. Cigars were uh, flowing there in Tuscaloosa for the Crimson Tide. Uh, The Texas A&M Aggies 44, the South Carolina Gamecocks woof to South Carolina. Both of their touchdowns coming in garbage time. Texas A&M looked strong. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where you expect teams to get better throughout time, but I bet you Texas A&M would love to have back that Mississippi State game because uh, yeah, otherwise but you're looking at a distinctly different season. They still have a – it's a long shot. It's a long shot at best, but they still have an outside shot to win the West. Obviously, having the tiebreaker over Bama is huge. I think they're real big tests. They need Bama to lose another one. But but the opportunity is there, and here's why. They still have yet to play Auburn. So what they need is they need Auburn to beat Bama, giving them their second loss, and then they beat Auburn, hence having the tiebreaker for two loss Alabama and Auburn. Um, and, and they got to hope Ole Miss obviously gets taken down, um, you know, here soon as well. I think, I guess Ole Miss and A&M still have games to play. So yeah. it's right yeah. there. A&M has to win out, but they have an opportunity if Auburn can beat Alabama. Um, but, but certainly it's a tall ask. Let me ask you this. Uh, if you could pick, uh, as a Georgia fan, who you would rather play in the SEC championship, I've got my answer, but I'd love to know who you would want to play. Uh, I really, I really don't care all that much to be honest with you. I know that might seem cocky, but 
there's not really a, I mean, I, I guess Bama would be the least just because Bryce Young does bring a weird, you know, weird factor to the game with how he, how good he is with his legs and how he can just, he's Houdini back there. Honestly, I'd feel probably most comfortable playing Auburn. Um, I, I agree with at, that. I like that. I think at the that same Texas time, A&M, Texas A&M would be fine too. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, if if Ole Miss got there, that'd probably be my scariest only because they have such an explosive offense. Um, I see, but, I wouldn't worry. You, you've seen Corral can't Corral doesn't have the weapons this year, and he's not throwing for more than you know two hundred forty yards, two hundred fifty yards. He's not having those four hundred yard games as often. Sure, he's doing it with his legs because he's running for his life. But they're not able. Yes, they're explosive, but they're not able to do as much. You know, with him just absolutely throwing it deep early and often and getting huge chunk plays. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this though. Personally, even though it's the dumb decision, I would rather play Alabama because I don't want there to be that not an asterisk, but people to say, well, they didn't, you know, didn't play Alabama. I want to this this feels like the season that you get a couple monkeys off your back and getting past Nick Saban, this is the best chance to do so. So I kind of selfishly would want to play Alabama just so you can point to that and say, and we beat Alabama. We finally beat Alabama and you get over that uh, that storyline that narrative that you can't get it done versus the old ball coach the last game Pierce Oregon State 42 Utah 34 uh, and that did it for our week eight recap anything else to add about this slate of games that we previewed from last week the recap we just gave you uh, even though we flew through it before we look on to next week or are you ready for some of these good games that we need to talk about you know there are a couple games that I would like to talk on but you know, with weeks late last week, let's let's move on to some of these big games because we might we might talk for a while on a few of them. I agree with you. We might be going on and on about some of these. All right, hey, you're going to have to double check me here as I say lines only because things may have moved and I have refreshed these pages. The first game that we're going to be talking about though is at noon Eastern time on ABC. It's the Texas Longhorns and the number sixteen Baylor Bears in. Waco, the spread, Baylor, is favored by three points at home. Um, Texas has been a weird one this year, Pierce. They look, like, really good, and then they look, like, at times, like, they're incompetent. And I realize you're putting in, you know, you've got a new coach, and you're, you're installing a new scheme and all of this situation. Um, I do really love Bijan Robinson. I think he's one of the better backs in the country. Um, but Baylor has a a pretty good defense, especially compared to the Swiss cheese that uh, Texas has on their side of the ball. I'm going to go Baylor minus the points here. I think that Texas, uh, while doing good things and having good talent, I just don't know if they have what it takes to, you know, go on the road and, 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 upset a team um so i am going to go baylor here it's not a huge spread i don't feel uber confident about it but i just like the fact that you know baylor's able to put up one or two stops and is able to move the ball with you know in pace with the longhorns offense so i am going to lay the points there in uh in waco with baylor being the uh, the better team in in my opinion what about you yeah, this is a tough matchup for Texas because this this is literally what Baylor does well is what Texas has struggled with in the past, and that is manning up on the lines of scrimmage and and stopping a, a, a power running team. Um, now, certainly Texas's path to victory here, you know, they've got to score. They, if, uh, you know, so they can neutralize Baylor by getting in more of a shootout. But Baylor has a decent defense at home. They're always a very stingy team. This, this almost seems too easy to me. Um, I think it's almost, you know, they're kind of begging you to take uh, to take Baylor. Um, I mean, listen, Baylor, 
quite frankly, has been better than Texas all year to date. Uh, I know they they settled on the field on Saturday, uh, but with what Texas does well, or with what Baylor does well, running the football, I think they'll be able to do that early and often. Get a few stops on Texas's uh, on Texas offense, and I think uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Baylor, um, you know, win this one by seven to ten. I agree with you there. All right, we're in lockstep with our first pick. Let's see if we have anything we disagree on. The number nine Iowa Hawkeyes and the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. That game is at noon Eastern time on. ESPN Iowa did not see action last week. Their last time we saw them, they did get beat by Purdue. Uh, Wisconsin did take down Purdue last week. So if you're using the transit transitive, I said transient a couple times last episode, transitive property, Wisconsin's the better team. Uh, the question is, do you think that that is actually indicative of how these two teams played? Was Purdue in a little bit of a letdown spot because of what they did, uh, you know, versus Iowa the week before? Was the Purdue thing with Iowa a fluke? You know, you kind of got to take all those factors into account. I will say, Wisconsin being a three-point favorite at home, I would not have thought a few weeks ago that that would be the case. We kind of had written them off earlier on in the season after they dropped a couple games uh, in a row, whereas Iowa was looking really good until they lost to Purdue. Um, I'm going to go Iowa here. I think that, I, don't get me wrong, they have a pitiful offense. But I don't, I, Wisconsin doesn't move the ball super great either. This is going to be an absolute pillow fight. Uh, you know, it's going to be very reminiscent of the game. I think it was Wisconsin and Penn State early on in the season that was like, oh my gosh, can someone please score? I think it was like 10 to 3 or something like that. Um, it's going to be very reminiscent of that. These are two not great offensive teams that are very good on defense. So you're going to see that if you feel like, you know, uh, defensive play, this is this is the game for you. Um, but I think that giving them the week to rest, giving them the week to get healthy, uh, you know, I, I like them. They're getting, little, they're getting points and I think that they're going to be, uh, have had time to scheme for Wisconsin, Wisconsin coming off of the game versus Purdue, uh, you know, and, and, and being hopefully a little bit banged up is going to help my pick there. I am going to take Iowa plus the three points. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if I look like a dum-dum at the end of this one, uh, because Iowa looks real bad against Purdue and Wisconsin's getting better. But, uh, I, I do think that the Hawkeyes ultimately, because they had last week off are able to rebound. So I am going to take the Hawkeyes plus the points on the road. What about you, Pierce? So I've been back in Wisconsin a lot this year. Um, obviously, much to, much to my uh, angst, they do not perform very well when I back them. Uh, so I've gotten off the train. Iowa, to be a three-point underdog after being a number two team in the nation just you know two weeks ago is mind-blowing to me. Um, listen, this, this Wisconsin team is not very good. I, I know you, there might be an argument out there that they're getting better. I'd, I'd beg to differ with the, I mean, look at who they've played. Uh, you know, nobody that really holds a candle to some of their, some of their bad losses this year. Um, and you know, I thought they would win those games. This is too easy to me. The only way I think Wisconsin wins this game is literally holding Iowa to three to seven points. I think you're right. I think it will be similar to the Penn state game, Wisconsin game early in the year. Um, that makes me love getting the three points that much more. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Iowa happily plus the three, and I do think they win outright. Uh, but but in it, what I expect to be a low scoring close game, uh, you know, having those three points is is just so much more enticing. So give me Iowa, who's just simply put the better team in this matchup, um, and getting the points, it's that much sweeter. All right, one of the big uh, behemoth games of the week, the number six Michigan Wolverines and the number eight 
Michigan State Spartans. That game is at noon Eastern on Fox. The line, Michigan State home dogs, four and a half points. Um, I don't know when the last time we've seen this matchup where these two teams have been in the position that they're at. They're both undefeated. Uh, you know, they're both in the top 10. Um, this is a, this is a could this is a rivalry that, you know, is very reminiscent of the fact that this is Michigan state's biggest rival, but Michigan wouldn't consider this their biggest rival. Um, you know, I would, I would consider it kind of like a Georgia, Georgia tech type situation. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of others that you could say, um, you know, I would, I would say honestly, Florida, Florida state, Miami type triangle type situation. Um, so anyways, Point is that this is a, this is a rivalry that means a lot to at least one side of the of the ball, um, and the fact that they're home dogs, I actually really like Michigan State to be fired up for this one. Um, they're not uh, as stout defensively as Michigan has been uh, so far in the season. They're pretty comparable on offense. Um, I do give the edge a little bit to Michigan. With Cade McNamara, I think he's a little bit more talented um, than uh, is it Peyton Thorne? I, I've always wanted to say Patrick. Um, yeah, Peyton Thorne. I do like Kenneth Walker the third. I think he's one of the better backs in the country um, as well. Um, plus the points at home. I am going to go Michigan State, um, but but I, I think that this is kind of a put or, push up type moment for Michigan. They know that, um, so it wouldn't be surprised if I'm if I'm woefully woefully wrong on this one. I will say neither of these teams have really played anyone, um, so I don't know how much you can really test what their previous contests have looked like. But the fact that it's at home, the fact that it means more to Michigan State than it does to Michigan, I think Michigan's already locked in on Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to take the Spartans here on this one, probably a little bit dumbly, uh, but but I am going to take Sparty at home. Uh, hungry Dogs run faster, am I right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, this is an interesting game. I'm super excited for it. It's not going to, kind of like the, the game that we just previewed, it's going to be a rock fight most likely. These two teams do not throw for all that many yards. They they rely on their running game um they've they've both got great backs on both sides and they're going to run early and often and that's generally where you're going to get most of of the offense for both sides um listen on a neutral site field i think i would i think it'd be very even i think these two teams are very even they do things very similarly you know like i said they don't light it up through the air they run well they're they're pretty Pretty good on both lines of scrimmage. Um, I think Michigan has a slightly better defense, but I think being at home um, is a huge advantage in this one. On a neutral field, maybe go Michigan. I I, I do like Michigan's team, but the, the four and a half is just too much in my opinion. And Michigan, if you look at both sides, both game logs for both of these teams, Michigan's really only had one road game and they struggled. Michigan State's played four road games and they've done pretty dang well in all four of those. Michigan is not going to be, I think they're going to be a little bit shell-shocked with this crazy, uh, you know, crowd. Hate that it's not a night game. I do think that might, that might help a little Michigan a little bit. Um, but I, I do, do think Michigan state will get some of the calls, get some of the bounces being at home. Michigan will, you know, be forced to throw and they're going to really struggle to do that. Um, I think you'll see a couple explosive plays again, from Kenneth Walker. I think it will be lower scoring. Um, so I'm going to take the plus four and a half with Michigan state and ride that all day. All right, time for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I will be there, as I have been for the past few seasons, for the annual matchup between the number one Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida 
Gators. That game is at 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. It's my absolute favorite game of the year. Um, you know, yes, I'm biased, but I think that a lot of people also agree. It's just a fun atmosphere, even if you aren't a fan of either of these teams. Um, it wasn't too long ago, Pierce, that I could count on one hand the amount of times in my lifetime that I had seen Georgia beat Florida. This rivalry has been absolutely dominated by Florida throughout the uh, the 90s and the 2000s um, with a few, uh, uh, you know, pretty lopsided wins, in fact. This is the first time that I can remember or recall this being quite the uh, the lean towards Georgia. 14-point favorites in this one. It obviously takes place in Jacksonville, so a neutral setting here. Um, you're not going to necessarily get home field advantage from either of these two teams. The big question mark uh, is who is going to play at quarterback for both of these teams. Um, I would expect you still give, give Stetson the ball, but have JT waiting in the wings. Uh, hopefully he is 100% um, and can be waiting in the wings in case. Uh, but I think Stetson's playing competently enough that you, you're able to give him the nod, especially versus a, a Todd Grantham defense. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, You've got uh, an AR-15 who, Anthony Richardson, who is playing very good ball when he gets the nod to do so. He uh, he publicly was kind of dragged by Dan Mullen when he said that, you know, he just doesn't know the playbook, um, you know, as much as he needs to. So Emory Jones has been starting, but he's not nearly as talented as AR-15 when you see him in, uh, you know, lineup under center. Um Georgia grade on defense. We still have some question marks on offense. Florida grade on offense. Horrible on defense. Uh, 14 points is a lot for a rivalry in a neutral setting. I I think Georgia's going to take care of business handily. I think that it's going to be pretty dominant. I also expect Dan Mullen to come out there and do typical Dan Mullen things and have some tricks up his sleeve. Um, I'd expect this to be a very physical game. I'd expect Florida to be pretty choppy. Um, I, I hope we don't see injuries like we did last season. That was absolutely horrific, some of those things that happened. And not that they were Florida's fault, all of them, um, but it just was felt like one hit after the other. Um, but you know what? It just feels like one of those years... I'm sorry, Florida fans. You're not going to have a good time if you're coming in in in, in blue and green. Blue, yeah, blue and orange. Sometimes they wear green. Uh, if you're coming in blue and orange, uh, I'm looking at a picture of the Gator, and so the green's the first thing that popped in my head. My head. Um, it was me last year. I showed up in red and black and knew we were going to get we were going to get ki- uh, killed. So you know you're heading into into something that's going to be tough. I apologize for you. I'm going to go Georgia in this one minus the 14. Um, maybe that's dumb. Maybe it's dumb. It just feels like a different type of year, and I just can't, I can't pick against the dogs. They should be f- uh, six and one against the spread if it weren't for Kentucky last week, um, kind of you know getting getting those last minute points, um, you know, just to cover the spread. So uh, I, I I am going to go, and, and those spreads have been big too that they've been covering. So I'm going to go Georgia in this one minus the fourteen, and and then I'm going to hold my breath that we don't get upset because with me picking them, knowing us, we'll probably get upset. So uh, I'm going to go the dogs in this one. What about you? Um, there are two two ways that Florida can upset Georgia here. One of those ways is for both Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels to have game-ending injuries. The other route for them to win is to have a otherworldly performance by whoever quarterbacks them on Saturday. Otherwise, this is a route. I mean, it's 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 literally a route. I, break down Florida. What do they do well? Not throwing. It's running. 
and they are kind of hit or miss there too. What does Georgia do well? Everything on the defensive side of the ball. They're a little susceptible to the down the field throws, but it's hard to get the time necessary to drop back and make those throws. A and B, no one's been able to run on this team all year. On the other side, you hit it. Florida's, you know, does some things okay defensively, but very inconsistent and and are susceptible to getting absolutely just blown out on all phases. I don't know what we'll see from our offense. I think we'll see them come out and play probably similar to how they were against Kentucky and uh, Arkansas. I don't know if they'll quite get to 40, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them get there. I think we're honest to God. I think we're looking at a 38 or 45 to 10 or 13 type of game. Um, I think this is an absolute shellacking. I think it's a statement win, and I do think you could see if that happens, Mullen getting the getting the kick to the curb, um, especially with a couple of their high, a couple of their highest profiled recruits for next season's class have decommitted, and both are rumored to be flipping to Georgia. I think a big win would convince them to come to Georgia. And I think that's, I mean, Florida fans are getting really disgruntled. Listen, he's four and six in his last 10. If you go look at his wins, um, his last few wins are like Tennessee and Vandy. And his losses are to like twice, I think Kentucky, twice to um, Alabama, that's whatever, twice to LSU, who just fired their coach. And then I think they lost, who else did they lose to? They lost to someone else in there. Um, maybe it was all, but I can't remember who exactly it was, but anyway, point still remains. They do not, they have not played even when they had last year's team, they've not played all that great from season to beginning to season end. And, and, and they're just, even when they had that quarter play quarterback play last year, it was all on his shoulders. They couldn't even rely slightly on their offense or on their defense and their run game was, eh. but they had a few studs at wide out. I mean, you, you just you're seeing too many holes. I think throughout their roster, uh, and and I think it's pretty clear that Mullen does a great job with his quarterbacks. Um, he gets the most out of pretty much all of them, even if they're lim- limited. But he ain't. He, he's just not someone who recruits at a, at. I'm talking a championship level, and and I I just think that's gonna, that's coming to fruition. The Florida fans are starting to really get fed up with it. I'm I'm I will admit that's probably a little bit crazy. I don't think they're gonna fire him right after the George game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it heated up and then you saw some really true, like, all right, we need to start figuring out our plans uh, because this is not going the way we hoped. Well, and to your point, a lot of people are pointing fingers at you got to fire Todd Grantham, and you do. (laughs) That's, That's the first and foremost. But Todd Grantham's not the reason they're losing recruits. He's the reason they might be you know, terrible on defense. He's he's the reason they might be losing some games, but he's not the reason they're losing recruits. And while we know Dan Mullen's never been a great recruiter, he's also been trying to recruit kids to Starkville, uh, Mississippi. He's got, you know, more of, a, of an advantage now, and he's a more talent-rich state. Um, I Personally, I'm interested to see I don't think they would fire him immediately to your point, but you tell you they get down the road and they lose to uh, Florida State to end of the season, and you start kind of seeing if, if Florida State can get rolling a little bit and, and maybe get a little bit. I don't. I think we're way off from Florida State being a you know national power again, but uh, in the sense that you can kind of feel we're losing recruiting battles. Oh, and now Florida State's beating us too, because uh, that's been the one thing that they can kind of hang their hat on is you look at your in-state rival. And you go there, well, they're terrible. Um, so that would be, I think that could be the nail in the coffin. So we've got an interesting interesting storm 
brewing in Gainesville. Let's talk well, about those. Oh, you got something to say? Yeah, I was going to say, well, uh, here's another thing that's that's tough to get over just from the psyche of a fan base. You know, listen, they've been trying to resurrect the, you know, early 2000s when they had those, you know, national championship teams there under Tebow and Chris Leak and Urban Meyer. Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator on on at least one of those national titles. So they they thought they were going to be able to, it was just going to be perfect fit. You know, the first two years, he had some ups and downs for sure. Um, they're in such a talent-rich state, they should never be down from a talent standpoint. Um, I don't care how bad the, the the previous regime was. But, man, the psyche of a fan base to finally, in year three, where, quite frankly, coaches don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore to go through five seasons. Year three, he gets them to close, close, Clearly their best opportunity, prop, the best quarterback they've clearly had since Tebow, um, and they still don't even make the playoff. Then to go potentially, I mean, you're looking at it, Madison. They could go, I think, 5-5 five and five this yeah. year. They lose yep. to us. I think they're, what, 4-4? Four and four? Mm-hmm. Or no, maybe 3-4? and four? Anyway, 4-4. Four and four. I they, just could, they could the slip another know. one. They could slip another one. I mean, that's hard to go that far back after the season before being close. I, I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough fall from grace like that. You know, if he'd lost two games, three games, so be it to lose, you know, potentially five, who knows how the the game went out or uh, the season went to finish up is a tough, tough thing to get over for fan base. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be very interesting. Let's talk about those Florida state Seminoles. They are going to Clemson to take on the tigers who are not looking great at the moment, uh, this is the best shot that Florida State's had to win this one in a minute. Uh, that game is at 3.30 Eastern time on ESPN. Uh, now, Florida State obviously is not playing great either, but they do have a little bit of momentum on their side. They have uh, three straight loss or three, three straight wins, I should say. Uh, Syracuse, UNC, and UMass, they had dropped all four previous games prior to that. So those are their, first, their only three wins on the season, Clemson, on the other hand, is sitting at four and three on the season's most recent, or most recent, most recently having lost to Pitt. They did drop uh, in double overtime to NC State, which felt like a good loss at the time. But after what happened with NC State last week, perhaps not. Uh, the T- Clemson Tigers at home are favored by ten, and I can tell you right now, I don't know if Florida State wins this one, uh, but it's the best shot they've had in a while definitely since the Jimbo Fisher era um and and I I think 10 points is too much Clemson's not yet covered a spread uh all season long I have no reason to believe they're gonna do it here um you know here's the thing about Florida State they're not necessarily the best team ever but they're moving the ball okay um they're certainly moving the ball better than Clemson's offense uh so so I actually really like the the Seminoles in here to at least keep it close for a while, if not to potentially, um, you know, uh, they're going to keep it within that 10, I believe. I, I really, truly do believe that. Um, I I would love a win, selfishly. I don't know if that happens. That would be <laughs> big time, a, a big time uh, get for Mike Norvell and company. But I just think, like I said, Clemson has not shown me anything yet this season uh, to think that they can cover 10 points, even if it's to a Florida State team that's not great. But it is a Florida State team that's got some momentum uh, on their side, and they're starting to get some belief. And the fact that they're looking across the field at Clemson, who has been a, a you know a super in-conference rival for them for years, um, and, and to think, hey, we got a shot here to do this again, you know, that 
they're 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 licking their chops. I'm 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 hopeful that Florida State's able to make this a fun one, but I'm gonna go with them. Maybe more of a heart play than a head play. But like I said, Clemson. It's more of a more of a vote of uh, of a. I do this every single week. What's the word I'm looking for? It's more of a I don't trust Clemson than I trust Florida State, but I just do not trust Clemson this year. So give me the Seminoles. So this is the uh, fifth time that the Tigers uh, have been at least ten point favorites this season. Do you know how many times that they've beaten an FBS opponent? By ten points or more this season, zero, zero. Mm-hmm. They're zero and seven. You're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right. This is less of a play on Florida State and more against Clemson that they can't. They can't cover spreads. They don't score enough points to cover spreads. They have to rely on their defense to almost pitch a shutout, and I just don't see that happening. It's going to be a very sleepy game, uh, you know, at the so-called Death Valley there in Clemson. I don't see them scoring more than maybe 21, 24 points. And I think FSU is going to hang right there with them. They'll have every chance in the world, I believe, to win. Uh, I don't think they will. I think Clemson will squeak it out. Although, I will say, as I'm saying that, can't you just see Clemson going out there and winning by like 21? Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This team in particular, all year, I've been, we've both been saying, well, is this the week Clemson, you know, finally puts it together and 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 I get burnt? Oh no, is this the week? Is this and it has it come? I don't think it's ever going to come. I really don't. Not this year. Uh, so I am going FSU plus the ten. Very tempted actually to put to to, to back financially back FSU a little bit here, uh, but I just have such a hard time doing that on a bad team. Uh, but Clemson's bad as well, so I don't I don't know I don't know uh, if I can do that. But I will say FSU is my clear cup uh, pick here, more so because I just uh, it's a bet against Clemson. Absolutely, it's, it's, that's just how it is. Yep. Bet against Clemson. I'm with you there. Uh, let's flip back to the SEC to talk about another big time matchup: the number ten Ole Miss Rebels and the number eighteen Auburn Tigers. There in Jordan Hare at seven o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Um, this line right now uh, is Auburn minus three points. Um, I'll say this right now. I like what Auburn's doing as of late. Yes, they did lose uh, early to Penn State. That was at Penn State. They lost to Georgia. Who can blame a loss versus Georgia? I think they're better than what their record shows. Uh, But you do have an Ole Miss team that's very explosive on offense and uh, has been taking care of business as well, save a few uh, close ones. They did get into a um, nail-biter with Arkansas. Obviously, they lost early on in the season to Alabama. Matt Corral, I believe, is pretty banged up. Correct? Am I saying? I, I, am I making that up? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, it seemed evident to me that he was not himself on Saturday against LSU. Now that didn't stop him from running still, um, and he just, man, I'm actually impressed with this kid's toughness and just he's he's committed. He's now he's now he was always a baller. He was always a, a gamer, and now he's just got that I just don't give it a crap anymore attitude where I'm just trying to be the best mofo I can be and leave a mark. And it's pretty impressive. But, yes, to answer your point, I, I have not heard anything about him not playing this weekend like we did maybe last right. week. But I, I do think he will be sore and dinged up some. So that could affect him. Yeah, I, I do believe that it would have to take hell or high water for him to not play. Um, Bo Nix has been better this season. Uh, and, and we have had the anomaly for a while of home Knicks versus Bo, or road Bo Nix. This is at 
home. So I like that a lot as well. We all know it can be a pretty volatile place to play, especially at night under the lights. Tank Bigsby, a pretty good back. Ole Miss is mainly offensively Matt Corral. If he is dinged up, if he is a little bit sore, um, you know, that that doesn't behoove them, um, though certainly he could be back to 100% and, and be lighting it up. I, I am going to go Auburn in this one. Um, you know, they, they're they minus the three points. I think that, that is a, that's a pretty – Pretty good spread for them. I think that they win by a touchdown. I just think ultimately this Auburn team, like I said, is better than what we've seen on the field or, or results wise, rather, I should say, um, because of the fact that they had, you know, yeah, they had to go to Penn State when Penn State was fully healthy. Uh, and they, so they lost that one, but in close fashion. And they lost to Georgia, but they looked impressive at times during it. Um, and I just think Bo Nix finally kind of has some of his wits about him. Um, and I like the Auburn Tigers in this one, minus the three points. Uh, I just think that ultimately Ole Miss is really good at one position and um, and, and struggles at some of the others. So uh, I like a more dynamic Auburn Tigers in this one. Well, we, I mean, we may pick the same. We may. Have the same picks. We're in lockstep right now because I'm with you. I thought I was going to be uh, sneaky here and, and, and slip in Auburn. I, 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 Honest to God, I think Auburn is going to win the West. I, I think they're the best. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should not say that. Here's why I, I lean that as a, a little bit of a hotter take. They do catch Alabama at home. If Alabama was at home, I think they, you know, they win by 14 points against Auburn. Um, but again, there, there, weird things can happen there in Jordan Hare. So um, I do like Auburn a lot. Uh, I think you're seeing, uh, you know, look, Ole Miss is, I think their only road game of the season thus far was Alabama. Um, if they did play another one, it was not anybody too crazy. Um, I think they're going to struggle a little bit here with, uh, you know, like I said, they, they, they lost a lot of top talent, uh, especially at the wide out and uh, tight end position. And you're seeing these, these receivers are more than capable, but they're prone to make some mistakes here and there. And Corral clearly doesn't have the same rapport with them. Something else is up there as far as the reason he's running so much. He's a great runner at the same time. But, you know, that's kind of what Auburn does well. They do defend the run well. I think that the 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 crowd will make a factor here. Um, it, it, it'll have an effect on the offense for the time or for the rebels. And, and I think you'll see Bo Nix have a great game. I mean, that's, I think that's the one way that uh, that we get burnt in this one is, is Bo Nix reverts to, to bad Bo Nix because he's had a string of three good games. I mean, even going back to the George game, he was, I mean, he went great, but he was okay. I mean, he was, he didn't lose them that game necessarily. Um, and then, you know, he has a couple good games. God, great game against Arkansas. So I mean the dude's doing what they what he needs to do to 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 win games with this Auburn club and uh, I think they're getting better and man I'm impressed with Harson um, I'm impressed with you know he went out and got a couple uh, you know solid stabilizing type coordinators in Bobo and uh, Mason certainly Bobo has has uh, really worked wonders for them uh, with his play calling this year. He's been a, a settling force for them, and and so I do like Auburn here at home. It'll be don't be surprised if we look up on Saturday and this was the the best game. I I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Um, I also think this has a potential to be a really good game. Pierce, the number twelve Kentucky Wildcats headed to Stark Vegas to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. That game is at seven o'clock Eastern time on the SEC Network. Mississippi State, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Uh, Kentucky has been impressive this season. They did uh, have – they were out, not in action 
last week with a bye after coming off that Georgia loss. Mississippi State, on the other hand, took down Vanderbilt in impressive fashion. Yes, they did have a very bad beatdown against Alabama coming off that Texas A&M loss. Um, but other than that, they've been improving over the year. And that's that's Mike Leach's MO, isn't it? You know, you know, at the first bit of it, we all go, well, that's not really great. And then it gets better and better. It's what they did last season as well. Um I, I think I'm going to go Kentucky in this one. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Mississippi State does upset Kentucky. I just think that right now Kentucky's got got a little bit more talent, a little bit more reason for me to pick them and to trust that. Um, that being said, Mississippi State can really move the ball, uh, and, and I think Will Rogers, if he's on his A game, uh, can have some really good showings. Um, but I just, until Kentucky shows me that they can't go out there and, and, and get it done, I'm not going to not pick them. Yes, again, they didn't beat Georgia, but guess what? That was that's that's expected this season. Mississippi State, um, you know, they they kind of play to the to the, where their opponent is. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is is a closer game than than um, you know I would like for someone who's about to pick Kentucky. But I am going to take the Wildcats in this one. I think I'm going very pretty pretty chalk so far this week. Um, but I just like I said, one and a half points is a small enough spread that, that I Kentucky's give me no reason to think they won't cover that. They're they're talented enough. So I'm going to go Kentucky in this one. What about you? So you look back and, uh, you know, I, I definitely think there are two games, Iowa and Michigan State, where they're begging you to take one of the sides. Um, this is the first spot where they're begging you to take a side and uh, and and I'm not going to listen to them. But I'm or I'm sorry, I am going to listen to them and I'm, I feel like I could be burnt here. I'm going Kentucky with you. It's a very chalky pick. I know I'm going to come on come Saturday. I'm going to hate this play. Um, and be disgusted that I took it. But I, I've backed Mississippi State in this type of a spot a couple of times this year, and they burnt me. This team has not lived up. You know, they don't have lofty expectations, but I thought they'd be, you know, maybe a 6-6 six and six team. This 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 team looks, you know, outside of their, their win against NC State and their win against Texas A&M, which I don't – I think if they play Texas A&M now, they would lose by 28 points. They, they are really struggling. Now, they did get that win against Vanderbilt last week. Maybe that gives them some confidence. Where What scares me about Kentucky is, offensively, I don't expect them to go down to Starkville and score a lot of points. That means they're going to rely, have to rely on their defensive performance. And, you know, they've been susceptible to giving up some bigger plays, specifically in the pass game this year. They... You know they did lose some DBs, um, some 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 NFL caliber DVs last year from that that side of the ball, and you know they they they've done good things, but they're they're susceptible to giving up space, and um, that that definitely scares me. I have not looked and seen any reports about any of their uh, D linemen coming back. I think one of them was getting close last week, so maybe he's back this week, but I'll have to double check on that. Maybe I'm totally off. You know, certainly their two D tackles that they have been missing, or one might be a DN, would be a huge boost for them. But they're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure out a way to slow down the passing attack from Mississippi State. It's gonna be a bend but don't break. I think that's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to limit uh, Mississippi State to to you know field goals. And if they can do that, I think they squeak this one out. Um, because but it's it, this one's gonna be very strange. I I could see this. I think it's going to go one or two ways. I think Kentucky's either going to win in a very, very close one by, you know, three points, maybe like 24 to 20 or 24, 21, or they might just get beat by 10, 10 points here just because I think Mississippi state does, 
what Kentucky struggles with the most. Um, they kind of fit that mold of a team that, you know, could come in and upset uh, uh, Kentucky, especially being at home. That could pro- provide them a big boost. But I'm going to go Kentucky here because I just know at the end of the day they're the better team. But uh, definitely a tough spot for them on the road. Uh, but Kentucky minus one and a half is where I'll uh, I'll bury myself this week. All right. Uh up next, the number 19 SMU Mustangs and the Houston Cougars at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2. If you listened to our Good, Bad, and Ugly, we talked about SMU and what Tanner Mordecai is doing in Dallas. Uh, they do have to go take on a Houston team that is sitting at 6-1 and one on the season, uh, hoping to give SMU their first loss. Uh, Houston is favored at home by one point. Um, I'm going to keep this real short and sweet, Piers. Tanner Mordecai, SMU, real deals. They're getting a point on the road. That's going to be a tough, tough place for them to go in there and play. Um, I do believe that Dana Holgerson and company are going to be ready for SMU. But that being said, the numbers that this Pony Express is putting up is pretty prolific. I think they're going to be able to outscore Houston ultimately, uh, no matter what Houston's defense is able to do. And I just think they get it done on the road pretty easily. Like I said, I'm going to keep it short and sweet here. SMU all day long. Give me the ponies. You got me so excited there with your uh, build up, and you flipped it right to what I was, uh, what my pick is. So we're still in lockstep. I'm, I'm going to keep it short and sweet as well. You kind of took, uh, you know, there's not much to be said about this. Houston has had a good good year to date, but this is uh, definitely a, a step up in class. However, you know, I think they're favored. Houston's favored in this one because Houston, you generally would think of as uh, maybe having the better talent, um, you know, from an entirety of their roster. But I just love Tanner Mordecai. I think they go out there and I think they put up a lot of points and I think they will get a timely stop. And um, I think you'll you'll look up and you'll see SMU will be 8-0 at the end of this one. And, Boy, Cincinnati needs it. All right. The number 20, Penn State, Nittany Lions, and the number 5, Ohio State Buckeyes. This game would have been a lot more interesting a few weeks prior, Pierce, but obviously some things have changed for Penn State, and Ohio State looks dominant, Uh, very dominant. Yes, they had that loss to Oregon, but that has been just a slight blip on the radar for them so far this season. The game is at 7.30 Eastern time on ABC and uh, Ohio State is favored by 18 and a half points there at home. Go ahead, lock this one up. Easy peasy money. Take Ohio State. CJ Stroud uh, looks impressive. I love uh, the receiving cores that he, the receiving core that he has, rather. Um, and I think that defensively they're going to be able to shut down Penn State. Obviously, like I said, they have had um, you know a tough go of it. Sean Clifford is out, uh, which is a, a big blow for them, and they have not looked competent with their backup. Um, I don't think there's any way in heck that they go to the shoe and get this one done. Ohio State's going to not even be close. It's going to be blowout city. Lock it up. Buckeyes big. So this was the the only spot after we were locked up the first few ways where I thought we might have a different one. I'm going to shock you. I'm going Penn State in this wow. one, plus 18 and a half. Listen, I, I, now I reserve the right. If, if Clifford does not play, and I haven't heard anything otherwise, he did play last week. But if for some reason he does not play, this flip this this is switched to Ohio State. However, I think Penn State has a decent enough defense to 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 make Ohio State have some trouble. You know, I don't think they're going to go down the field on every single possession. Um, you know, I, I yeah, certainly against Wisconsin and Iowa, those aren't you know great offensive teams that they're facing. But I still think this defense is pretty good. Um, and and then on the flip side. I don't think you'll see as anemic of a performance uh, coming off last week's effort against Illinois. I think 
Penn State will be able to do some things. It's not like Ohio State has the uh, the best defense in the world. They're not any gangbusters. So I do think uh, Penn State will put up, you know, getting get into the 20s. I think you're looking at, you know, a 35-24 type of game um, where it's going to be about 10 to 14 will be the, the the differential. Ohio State might even cruise, and what I mean, you know, they might get up and not be in any jeopardy of losing, but I just don't see Penn State having as poor performance as last week. Um, you know, after that just disgusting loss to Illinois, I think they come in and they do keep this within the number. It'll be close. But I got Penn State and any Lions plus 18 and a half. Last but not least, the North Carolina Tar Heels headed to South Bend to take on the number 11 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish riding high after taking down rival USC out there. Or actually, I guess it was in South Bend. I was about to say out there in L.A., but it was it was in South Bend. Uh, North Carolina was not in action last week after beating Miami at home the week prior in a pretty close game. Notre Dame at home is favored by three and a half points. I don't really know what I'm going to do with this one, Pierce. I'm not going to lie. I don't have a heavy lean. Uh, you know, every time I pick Notre Dame, it seems to screw me. Every time I pick North Carolina, it seems to screw me. So either way, uh, you know, the team that I don't pick, you're welcome. Uh, I didn't say this already. The game is at 730 Eastern time on NBC. Um, I think Jack Cohn is 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 a more corp- competent quarterback than I gave him credit for earlier on in the season. I don't think he's necessarily, uh, you know, the next Peyton Manning or anything like that. But uh, I think he's more competent and has f- more flashes. Sam Howell has had a somewhat disappointing season uh, for what he was billed to have done coming into the season. Um, and and granted, yes, the uh, North Carolina. Offense can move the ball more. I'm just going to go Notre Dame at home in this one. I think that they're just a more talented team. Um, and I, I don't know, for some reason, this North Carolina team just doesn't have it. Whatever it might be, it just they, they don't pass the eye test to me. They don't pass the gut check, if you will. Um, I'm going to go Notre Dame in this one. It's a pretty small spread. Uh, they are known to have teams come into South Bend and upset them. Um, but this is a North Carolina team. This isn't a Georgia. This isn't an Ohio State. This isn't a, a Clemson. This is a, this is a North Carolina team. And then they're fine. They're decent. They're fine. You know, they are what they are. Um, I'm going to go Notre Dame in this one at home. Um, I just think that they got more of the momentum and, and, and then more of that power on their side. So uh, I'm going Irish. So I don't think this will uh, affect your decision or change your, your, your pick there. Uh, but Kyle Hamilton, the stud safety for Notre Dame, by far and away their best player. Um, apparently, I have heard that he is not going to be playing this week, and he is dinged up. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that changed your decision, but I wanted to throw that out there. Eh. Certainly, that's a big loss. I still think their defense will play very good. North Carolina is not very good on offense. And what they really struggle in is keeping Sam Howell uh, upright and, and keeping him off his back. And, and I just, I, I just see this North Carolina team really struggling uh, to do much of anything against this Notre Dame team. And on the flip side, it's not like North Carolina has a really good defense either. So while Notre Dame is limited in what they do, I think this uh, three and a half spread, I think this should be more, more like a spread of seven to eight. Um, and because of that, I'll just simply say it, Notre Dame's a better team. They're the more talented team. And I do think that they will go out and get a comfortable win here. Um, even if it doesn't start out pretty, I just don't see North Carolina being able to hang with Notre Dame. And that's saying a lot at the end of the day, because I don't think Notre Dame has the best offense in the world. So, but, but despite all that, give me the fighting Irish at home against the Tar Heels. 
All right, there you go. That is our week nine picks, the top 10 games of the week according to us and what we think is going to happen in them. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. This is where Pierce tells you, as from a gambling perspective, where the money is this week. Not that we condone gambling here at Bragging Rights, but if you were to gamble, here's where we think the money is this week. All right, well, keeping it keeping it lighter this week, um, and that's not by choice. That is more so because... I've got what I'd consider a big play this this week, and uh, I think y'all can probably guess what that is. I almost kept it to just a one-play card, uh, to be honest with you, but I did identify one other that I really like. First play this week, and we're going we're gonna to go to the window with a nice, hefty, uh, hefty ticket here. Georgia minus 14 over Florida. I mean, listen, I actually got this at 13 and a half, um, and I love that, but 14 is no no real difference to me. I think this te- this game is going to be about a twenty four to twenty four point difference when all is said and done. I don't see Florida getting, uh, you know, over seventeen. Um, you know, probably looking at more like ten to thirteen points would be the output that wouldn't surprise me from them. Even if they do hit a couple plays, I just don't see them being able to convert um, down in the red zone, and that's where you got to convert against. You can't put up field goals against this Georgia team uh, and expect to win, so they'll be for- for- forced to go for it on fourth down even if they can get into the red zone. And then on the flip side, I, I just think it- it'll be a little too much uh, for Florida's defense to hang. Uh, I do see Georgia's offense pretty much being able to put up uh, a 30 and-, and just a mediocre performance, so Love, love, love this line. I, I laugh at it, honestly. Every time I see it, I just can't believe it. I mean, Florida's a three-loss team, and uh, what's shown you that they 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 have any business being less than 24-point dogs? I, I really uh, – that sounds crazy to say, but I'm, I honest to God believe it. So give me the dogs, uh, minus 14. Love that one. And this is an interesting spot here. I have been riding this team. I love what they're doing. I'm going Wake Forest Demon Deacons minus 16 and a half against Duke. Listen, Duke is, I think they exceeded some expectations uh, early in the year, but they're not an explosive team offensively. And so even if they get, you know, 20 points, this Wake Forest offense is one of the top five, maybe in all of all football. Hartman uh, under center is absolutely throwing dimes every single play. They've got some great receivers downfield. I mean, look, they put up 70 against Army last week. I think you're looking at another 40-plus uh, performance from the Wake Forest offense, and uh, I just don't see Duke being able to hang with them. I think this is definitely about a 21-point differential um, here in this spread. I think Wake Forest should be minus 21 to 22. Uh, so give me the D- Demon Deacons minus 16 and a half, and let's cash those tickets. Uh, and, and with a big play on Georgia, it could be a, it could be a nice weekend. Yeah, certainly could be. It also could be a weekend of chaos. Either way, I'm excited to have some of these bigger games back in action. I can't wait to uh, take it all in. I will be, like I said, at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. You can follow me on Instagram. I'll probably uh, do a little bit of of posting there um, at Maddie Browder on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow Bragging Pod. That's bragging without the G. Bragging Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well for some real-time updates across the board of all of the games. Um, and like I said at the top, go listen to our episode with the over-under achievers if you want more of the recap. Um, and uh, hey, we, we love what we're doing over there in collaboration with them. So they, I know that the, we would appreciate you supporting them as well. And if you've come from over there, thank you. Welcome. We are happy to have you along for the ride. One thing you can do to support us here at Bragging Rights is you can uh, go ahead and subscribe, leave a five-star rating and such. All right, that's going to do it here for us at Bragging Rights. Um, 
We will be back next week with hopefully two episodes, but stay tuned for that one. Uh, and we will see you then for Bragging Pod. I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Chop on. Stay blessed, y'all.